I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the Para-X Radio Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your weekly dose of Andrea Venomous with my secret or not so secret co-host, Jason Galwell. Brother, there's nothing secret about me. Come on now. That is true. You are infamous across multiple states. I'm only wanted. I think I'm only wanted in one of them. Depends who you ask. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All joking aside, man, still, still coming down off that high from convocation. Yeah, you definitely are, yeah. So, but the, the, the train, man, it just keeps on rolling, especially for you, man. Well, before we go over that, I want to talk about the... The Do Magic Challenge, because we're both involved in that. and uh, Yes, know, we are. Jason's doing a great job, and uh, and uh, you can see me and Zach, we're, I'm doing a video log to increase my video recording skills as a, a sub-product of actually doing the work. But uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, domagic.com with a K, so it's magic, do magic with a K, uh, dot com. People are doing magic for 30 days. Or meditations and, and trying to perform an act of self, uh, self transformation, which will go for the theme of today actually very well, and uh, that there's prizes at the end. There's several publishers who expressed interest in the people writing articles uh, from the Magical Thirty. So it's a great time and. Uh, you should come by because you wouldn't believe what can happen in 30 days. I, I promise everyone, if you just did uh, self-analysis and meditation or magic for 30 days, your life would be completely different. And let me stress, this is all free. All you have to do is go to domagic.com, read the rules, follow the rules, and participate. Although this year, following the rules has seemed a little hard for some people, but that's okay. Uh, you just participate and... Uh, and make it happen and really the important thing is besides telling your story which inspires other people believe it or not people look at that and they get inspired when they hear about other people doing the daily work it really inspires people to do the daily work and it really helps everyone stay on track for whatever the transformation they're trying to achieve is so come on down to domagic.com and uh, kind of join us I mean there's still time to join us uh, before April uh, to do do the magic every day and, and 
the self-transformation work uh, that you want to work on. And there's a really good community around that of people helping each other and looking at each other's posts and, and seeing the progress we're making. Well put. So, come and I have to do Saturday. I have to do research for you because we're like, if, if you've watched the video that uh, we sent you that I sent you about the chakras, like the hand rudras, I was going to add them to my work and then share it with you. And there's about five different. There's like twenty different versions for each chakra. So now me and Zach are investigating, and we're going to share that research with you because it's directly relevant. To your personal do magic challenge well and i do appreciate it you've been really doing your job and challenging me and getting me to look at things differently so i do appreciate it as always well there you go there you go so that's how it is at doomagic.com we're challenging each other to do better and uh transform and bring about the dreams that we want to have by self-transformation So now let's talk about what we have going on. Well, now let's talk about what you have going on, sir. No, 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 no. I think I think you're going to be there in one of them. So, but this Saturday, no, you won't. So this this Saturday, no, I won't. This this Saturday, you're going to be once again at Spirit Apothecary, six six four Broadway Avenue. It is another Cleveland Chaos Convergence Servers, Thought Forms, and Artificial Spirits. Um. Why don't you get it, tell the audience a little bit about why you're choosing to hit the topic of servitors and thought forms this time around? I think it's one of the things that everyone associates with chaos magic. Um, and since we're, I was asked to teach kind of a chaos magic bunch of seminars at the store, um, it fits in with what's in the book. And uh, yeah, so, and it's a powerful method that doesn't need to rely on any other god forms, it's your own power. Uh, which a lot of people find quite liberating. So this is going to be 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday. Are, are you throwing in anything beforehand, doing any of your Facebook Live stuff? or is it Yeah, we'll do, do fa Facebook Live from 6.15 to 6.45 again with any questions. And sometimes you notice that people ask uh, really weird questions and great questions, and it's, it's just a great time. Um, sometimes it's loud in the store. Sometimes it's great, but either way, we have a great time and it's fun. So it's no. a real cafe, so you know that's what it is. That's how it is in the cafe. Sometimes it's busy and sometimes it's not. And that's a really nice environment too, so come on out and have some fun. Now, coming up a week after that, you're going to be traveling over to Jackson, Michigan to Shaman Jim's store, The Wandering Owl. That is right. And that is right. That's right. That is 319 West Washington Avenue, Jackson, Jackson, Michigan. Now, uh, why don't you throw out the times there for people that Saturday? So I think at 11 o'clock, we're going to do a free, that's right, you heard it, free at Jim's store, uh, ancestral class, that's just basic ancestral work, and just come, come as you are, you know, I know that was a bad Nirvana song there, reference, but hey. Just come and you can learn about how to work with your ancestors. And then after lunch, we're going to do an advanced seminar for about four hours that will cover more advanced methods of ancestral practical magic and how to get the ancestors to work for you on practical matters. And then later at five o'clock, we'll cover an out and out practicum, which will be us doing actual ancestral uh, magic 
and we will be correcting any problems uh, that there are in the people who are there. So that's limited to four people, so you have to book now. Um, and we will cover, if you have third mediumship issues with your third eye, we'll blow open your third eye, work on that with you, um, because and we'll do the magic with you and, and help you heal that. If there's issues where we need to elevate an ancestor because of abuse issues or something like that, we'll help you with that. That's pretty much hands-on. We're going to go the extra mile to solve any issues that are coming about while you're doing the work. You know, this is something I really want to stress too, folks. I'm, I'm taking that weekend and I'm traveling up to Jackson also myself to participate in this because quite honestly, something you're not going to pick up in a lot of Western ceremonial type magic books is the idea of working with your ancestors. This is something that is very central in African Caribbean religion. And let me tell you something, the personal benefits to working with one's ancestors I cannot describe how this can change your life. So you really need to look up the Wandering Owl, get signed up ahead of time. This is coming up in just over about a week and a half now. So now is the time. The Advanced Ancestor Workshop, the one to four class is $50. And I believe you don't really have a limitation to participate in that workshop. No, no, but, but for if, the practicum, you, it is limited to four people. Yes, the advanced practicum, 5 p.m. to 8, is, is limited to four people at $75. So get a hold of the Wandering Owl as soon as possible to maintain your slot. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that, sir? I don't think so. We've got to, we're going to give another plug for the Detroit Conjure Fest, which if you haven't booked your flight yet, uh, book your flight to Detroit at the end of August. Uh, our, our, co our sometimes visitor Kenya Kovacs running that, and it should. There's a real big, awesome lineup, and uh, we'll get more details as we get closer. But just remember, yeah, set we'll, aside. To we we will continuously yeah. keep you informed as August approaches. Right, but and you know what? In the Detroit, they do it a little different, a little rougher. So you know you're going to get some real hard and good. Uh, teaching in Detroit, so uh, it's all, she's undercharging for that event by an enormously amount. Uh, I can't believe how little. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just only thirty-five dollars, and the people she has are awesome. Uh, so I don't even get why she's charging that little, but it'll be an awesome time, and it's worth the flight. I think because her heart's in it, and she really knows that the Midwest has been hungry for such an event. I, uh, there you go. That's a pretty good way, way to put it. So, sir, would you like to throw anything else out there before we introduce tonight's guest? Nah, I don't think I have anything else for right now. I mean, that that's about it. So, you know, why don't you, speaking on the aspects of self-transformation, why don't we introduce our guest? Well, tonight, returning to the show... Corvus Nocturnum, a.k.a. Eric Werner. He is known to his fans best as Corvus Nocturnum. He has written more than 30 books. His research includes subjects such as the occult, vampire lore, and the paranormal. Mr. Werner has also been a consultant for A&E's Paranormal State. He is a public speaker at various universities as well as radio and television. 
Corvus has been a speaker and moderator on several panels for the last six years. Dragon Con. He is also the co-founder of Dark Moon Press Publishing House and owner of Dark Moon Productions. Welcome to the show tonight, Corvus. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you having me back. We're happy to have you back, sir. So tonight we're going to be discussing a latest edition of yours, Unlocking the Secrets of Control, Wealth, and Power. Yeah, it, it pretty much came about because uh, after the last two or three years of uh, talking on the book uh, Hail Thyself and the subsequent DVD and workbook, uh, a lot of people really loved it. It's become one of my bestsellers. And uh, as time went on, I kept you know touring, speaking on the topics that were in it. I just realized that there was a little bit more that I wanted to say. I wanted to you know polish the language here and there. Uh, just give it a really thorough editing, even though it had been given rave reviews on Amazon. Um, a lot of the questions people had thrown at me is more of a practical how-to. You know, uh, they really liked what I was trying to say, but they wanted more uh, one-on-one steps, you know. So I expanded the book by 80 pages more and had three other people edit it on top of the people that already did. And, uh, you know, it, it it's opened some doors. I mean, the... Uh, uh, Birmingham Chamber of Commerce has asked me to come speak later in the year uh, to their business professionals. I've got a couple people up in Chicago trying to get me booked for uh, a couple conventions, and I kicked it off this year at Convocation. Um, I believe there's a 20-minute video uh, of me speaking on uh, self-esteem and empowerment uh, that I put up a little while ago. You can still find it on my page. So what was your original motivation for putting this book out there? And uh, after after you saw the feedback and it, and it was doing quite well, um, let's talk about the motivation of why you decided to go in and, and re-edit it and put it out there again. Well, primarily because I felt there were just a few elements missing. I wanted to expand some concepts. Uh, I dove deeper into body language and how to dress properly, the psychology behind dressing to impress and what it means not only to the people that view you, uh, but what it internally does uh, to you as well and how to go about it even on a limited budget because, let's face it, most of us trying to uh, either climb the social ladder or economic scale uh, don't have the financing to look like a million bucks, but if, if you're a frugal shopper and uh, don't mind going to Goodwill for a couple suits or whatnot, uh, you know it's definitely possible. Uh, I've always said that we don't lack the resources out there. We don't lack the means to educate ourselves, to look better, to dress better, to have better manners. Uh, what we lack, lack, actually, is the resourcefulness to go out and get uh, these different things that are holding us back. So, let's get into that. I mean, what kind of advice are you going to give someone who doesn't have a lot of personal means? Well, honestly, you have to look at what's holding you back. And I, I spend a good chunk of the first, uh, you know, the introduction in the first chapter talking about fears, failure, what holds us back, what keeps us poor. Uh, and I'm diving even deeper into that topic into a new book that I'm writing right now called The Sixth Millionaire. Um, 
that in order to be successful, we have to understand that our fear and the negativities that were faced in abundance all over the place is truly what holds us back from reaching our true potential. I mean, we can look at the news, we can look at all the different things uh, in our own personal lives, in our past, the things that have been terrible that have been heaped upon us, and we can focus and obsess on those, and and all that's going to do is bring us down and create more roadblocks, and we're going to give up by the end of the day saying, I can't, when in all actuality, you have the choice every day of your life to wake up and say, tomorrow sucked, yeah, but what's today going to be? What am I going to do differently? How am I going to rethink um, my actions? Because 90% of the bad stuff in life is how you choose to react to what is you know, thrown in your way. Um, by looking at it differently, by looking for the silver linings, um, changing your perspective, and trying to seek um, opportunities in the failures that you've had before. Nobody wants to talk about failures, but every single one of us out there, I don't care who you are, what you've accomplished, or how badass you think you are, we have all failed at multiple things. And the biggest step is, well, what did you learn from it? How did you grow beyond it? Did, did you just stay in the wallow in the mud and self-pity and stay on, and say, I'm going to stay there? No. You dust yourself off, you get back up. It's like the old expression by the old samurai, uh, man falls down seven times, stands up eight times. Well, you know, I'm going to be blunt with you, Corvus. The book is very no-nonsense, and in a lot of ways, it felt like, hey, stop making excuses. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and get to busy. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm speaking from personal experience simply because I faced a lot of challenges, and it was at Convocation in in this revised book where I was a lot more blunt and uh, emotionally revealing of the tragedies of my own life and upbringing from my very birth that I'd never been uh, very public about before. But I thought, you know, I I did take a little flack from some of the posts that I made on social media Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, basically stop whining about your life being terrible and do something about it. (laughs) And and all I got was, you know, half of it was positive. Hey, yeah, that's what you got to do. And then the other half, the people are being, you know, uh, people and saying, well, you don't understand. You don't have my hardships. And I was like, look, and I, I, I listed off, you know, from being premature and almost dying at birth all the way to, you know, foster homes and learning disabilities and all these other things that were wrong with me. If these were what people were crying about, I should have thrown in the towel from the day I was born. But I didn't. You know, I was homeless, and now I live in a quarter-million-dollar neighborhood. Excellent. Now, I, I guess what I'd like to say is what kind of advice, because you, you tell people— <laughs> Look at your inner self. Fix your inner self. Um, but what, what, what would you tell people about seeking out personal counseling, personal therapy? Well, How- honestly, I, I think those are very important and, and critical uh, aspects. If you can't figure out what's wrong inside your own brain to know what the roadblocks are, how are you ever supposed to improve? How, how can you make the changes that you need to if nobody brings them to your attention? That, that's why I talk a lot about uh, overcoming failures and, and finding mentors in the next chapter, because without having the proper guidance, we're just floundering. And 
the information is out there. There's YouTube videos. If you can't afford a counselor, people make up excuses of why they can't do something. You know, books are out there. You can you can download articles. You can do all the things that I did that got me where I am. All I'm doing is condensing all the information that I learned and trying to put it in uh, as small of a, of a package as I can uh, for, you know, what people are paying me for uh, in breaking down the individual steps. You know, because so often we're brought up in the thinking from our past, from our families, of uh, negative influences uh, of just, you know, in, in my own case, I used to hate it when my family would say, well, someday we'll take a vacation. Well, they had vacations when they were younger, when they were more affluent. But when I was growing up with them, we never took vacations because they were stuck in the idea of someday, not we're going to. Not enough people out there have goals because once you commit yourself to an idea and a goal, you start subconsciously creating a um, series of steps and you see opportunities as they're coming in front of you instead of just ignoring them. Right, because I think a lot of that would be the idea of they weren't <laughs> they weren't coming up with a plan. They weren't saying, okay, this is what we want to do and here's the steps to break down to how we're going to achieve this. Exactly. They were just waiting for circumstance one way or the other. Right. I mean, human beings are lazy, and, and to be brutally honest, we're stupid. We don't make change because we're fearful. We're, we're afraid of pain, and that's usually associated with change and uh, the fear of the unknown. Uh, I talk about that a lot, especially in my lecture circuit, that we're hardwired from cave people not to go out and poke the bear, to stay in the nice, you know, safe, warm cave. But if you don't venture out, if you don't risk that pain, you're never going to experience things. And without those experiences, you're not going to grow. And it's kind of like a pearl. It starts out as, as an annoying little grit in, in, of sand that the, the shell generates this, uh, you know, secretement to cover it to, to get rid of this irritation. But what it does is it creates layers and makes it bigger. Well, that's what life's hard experiences are for us. If we're willing to learn and grow from them, we become bigger and wiser. And if we take that knowledge and actually apply it and find answers to the things that we're curious about, well, how did this other famous rich person become who they are? You know, it, what, was it enough that they just went to school or should you even go to school? You know, uh, because if you don't have a plan, all you're, all you're going to do is pile up more debt and that's more stress. You know, for a lot of people, it's, Start a business for yourself because that's going to generate income while you're asleep. And I preach a lot in my next book about passive income because, to be honest, if I hadn't done what I did with my life, then I wouldn't be generating book sales while I'm sleeping all over the world. I wouldn't have people wanting to approach me to do artwork for a few hundred dollars at a time. They wouldn't even know who I was without the effort and work that I've done you know, with the rest of my life, these podcasts, you know, when you guys replay this interview months down the road, I've had other people get a hold of me saying, hey, I heard you on such and such radio show. I want you as a guest on my show. Well, gladly take 10 percent. Honest out there. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting at is our actions and the things that we do to build a reputation and networking that grows without us even being present because what we've already committed ourselves to. Yeah, as, as a quick side note, 
really you should check out Corvus's art also he's a very accomplished artist and I'm completely stunned by some of the things he puts out there but uh, I'd also like to say okay let's let's get into your personal psyche for a second Corvus because I think you've got a story to tell I think that you did not write this book talking out the side of your face you wrote this book because you've lived this book yeah now would you say at some point in your younger life your younger years you found yourself mirroring the bad habits of your upbringing and at what at what point did you become cognitively aware and go i'm not following the path i want to follow and things need to change well I guess it was because I was more quiet and introspective, uh, you know, living through so many foster homes and being the the ostracized, you know, kid who would write and draw in the back of the room and get beat up by the bullies because they didn't understand me. You know, I would see what other people were doing or not doing well with their lives. I would look at my own family and go, well, mom and dad are in jail or whatever because they're drug dealers and you know, I didn't want to become that. I, I lived and learned from other people's poor choices around me and decided that's not what I wanted out of my life. And, you know, I think you learn and grow better by observing the fallacies that other people do uh, more than by experiencing the pain of your own choices because we're stupid. We're, we're going to continue to make the same mistakes in life because that's all we know we we were we're conditioned and we have the same responses to the same actions even five times you could keep hitting your you know hand with the hammer and go ow that hurts but you still keep doing it until you figure out a different way and you know i i guess part of me is i just kept looking around me going I don't want to be in this neighborhood anymore I don't want my house broken into and my possessions that I've worked for years to acquire getting stolen again so yeah it, it was hard it was difficult and it was very fearful to face the idea that I needed to move out of the ghetto and into this nicer neighborhood because of course the price tag uh, jumped up three times what I was used to paying and that was yet a new fear but I couldn't allow that to prevent me from doing the very things I knew deep down I needed to do to make my life better you know because you have to reach a point where the pain of what you're suffering through outweighs the fear of, well, is this going to work or not? You, you have to approach life as, I'm going to dive right in, I'm going to do it, because it's the idea that you only earn enough money to make your needs met. If suddenly you knew that you were going to die because you couldn't pay for a hospital bill and you had to double your money, you'd find a way to double your money, wouldn't you? Uh, and I honestly believe that because these horrible things were happening to me again and again, no matter how hard I was working a couple of years ago, that it was that next necessary push for me to go to the next level. And although I work twice as hard to maintain what I have now, it proves to me all the more that what I've done in the first you know, 20 years of my career, if I keep doing it smartly and learn from even more uh, of my errors or work harder and make more networking connections, that possibly that my passive income stream can not only measure up and match what my current needs are, but I can go beyond it because obviously it worked well enough for me in the first place to get me where I am right now. So I might I might say that you would find a way to double your money, and I would say that Jason would find a way to double his money maybe, right, Jason? 
You know, and then I would say that I would find a way to double our money, but I would say that the majority of people would not. They would simply die. There's an yeah, X factor there that I don't think the majority of people would have the fortitude to actually find a way to double their money. They would just give up. There's an X well, factor correct. there. There's an X factor there. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things that the book Unlocking tries to do. Uh, I dove into it and I give quotations by other people. I cite a lot of famous individuals, especially in the revised edition. Uh, it's just called Unlocking the Secrets of Wealth Control and Power, where I wanted to give meaningful examples of people that are now household names. You know, Oprah, Gene Simmons, you know, whoever. If you know their names, at one time, they were just as broke as anybody else. And something happened to them, something woke them up, and they realized that they were not you know, going to allow their conditions to dictate. You know, you can't allow your background, the things that have happened to you, your social economic standing, oh, I live in the ghetto, boo-hoo, feel sorry for me, was so did I. You know, you, you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You have to be tougher than your environment around you. And yeah, maybe only 1% to 5% of the world is filthy rich, but they all have common threads. They all have a common factor in their willpower of saying, not only am I going to have the guts to do what it takes, but they're going to go out and seek the knowledge of how to do it and turn their lives around. Because another one thing that I talk about in the book, too, is knowledge itself is worthless without proper application. Well, I don't think we would disagree with that because uh, that that's no different than if you're using magic or, or self-hypnosis, right, or anything to change yourself. You can have all the amount of book knowledge you want, but if you don't get to the grindstone of actually uh, doing something, nothing ever is going to happen, whether it's in life or magic or, or anything, really. Right. So I think you'd have a lot to say to people about <clears throat> taking the situation you're in and using it to the best of your ability, such as, okay, you're not a person of means. You don't have a great income. You don't have to present yourself as someone of little means. Um, you mentioned the whole idea of, hey, a lot could be accomplished by going to the thrift store right, and putting on that appearance of having more than you have. Well, it's one of the things that my grandparents influenced me. They say, you know, dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have. And I talk about it in the book, and I've, I've lectured this before, that when I was in college, I would show up in a three-piece suit every day. I'd, I'd wear something nice. And it was, I was going for business management, later criminal justice, and people were like, well, for one, I was older than most other people around me. And they're like, well, what are you teaching this month? And I'm like, I'm not a professor. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, because I dressed as if I was already successful. It's because it's a proven fact that if you put yourself out there and you look nice and you're polished and you present yourself with manners, you're going to get further in life than somebody who dresses like a bum. Um, I was getting an Uber ride to a hotel to give a lecture, and my Uber driver happened to be a retired HR um representative for the Frito-Lay company said you wouldn't believe the way the people looked that would come into his office and try to ask for a job 
he says he would just throw out their resume. It didn't matter what kind of education they had. If they didn't show up as if they really wanted it and, you know, were putting their best foot forward beyond their academic credentials and, and how they um, presented themselves, he wasn't going to hire them. You know, this is not the day and age where the saggy pants, uh, you know, thing can get you in the door of corporate America. You know, maybe that's your thing if you're into hip hop and that that sort of lifestyle. But, you know, that's far and few between. You know, if you put yourself out there with someone with manners and it doesn't cost you anything, but it can cost you a lot if you don't have manners to, to people. And I talk about it in the section called the gatekeepers, where if you're rude to the secretary or the desk person at the hotel or your wait staff, you know, those are the people that are going to be serving you first before you go any higher at any level. And they can make or break you and whether or not your appointment is accidentally written down wrong or, you know, they serve you something that maybe you have an allergy to or you know, can, can cause you all kinds of problems further on down the road. A lot can be accomplished just by being a nice person to other people. You know, and if you dress nice, um, I talk a lot about, you know, if, if you're known for having a particular look or certain colors are more flattering on you. And I go in, in depth on psychology and color and what that does to people as well as scent like perfume and cologne, you know, soap, um, you know, you can find clothing items that are on sale, you know, even at the nice expensive stores in the mall and back to school savings. And, you know, you can do uh, coupons and, you know, just anything that will save you a few dollars here and there in everyday life expenses means you have a few more dollars in your pocket than maybe you can afford that plane ticket to a conference versus having to say, oh, I can't show up. I've been double booked in line, you know, to save face. You know, the choices that we make have a huge ripple effect in what quality of life we're going to have. So you touched on the importance of having good manners and, and approaching <laughs> the book, how this is becoming a lost art. What do you have to say about personal ethics, especially in today's society? I, I think it's sorely lacking. Uh, I, I think that people could get a whole lot further in networking if they just weren't douchebags to each other. I mean, I, I'm all for people working really hard and pushing to get ahead, and if somebody else drops the ball, you jump right in and you take over, and you may create a few enemies here and there, but it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. As long as you're willing to show up and be the person that says, I can do this and, and prove that you can, you know, you, of course you're going to make some enemies. There are going to be people out there who are lazier than you, who aren't willing to go the extra mile and, you know, straighten on the cufflinks and, you know, do yeah, whatever like, Yeah, and that's something I want to talk about because the truth is, is that people who are self-aware um, do not make enemies for these reasons that you're describing. That, that is absolutely true. Or, or have enlightened self-interest, as it were. That's, that's really what we're talking about. Um, but people who are not self-aware see the subconscious mirror of those who would raise themselves above anyone could, in fact, raise themselves up, but see the subconscious mirror of those who are rising up and have the only the desire to attack the other person at, basically in any way they can because it's a mirror for their subconscious mind that tells them, hey, guess what? This person's getting ahead and if... I have to take responsibility for myself, then I would have to start doing something. Right. 
And I think you're right. Absolutely. People who have some moniker of self-awareness, they stop that in the bud. And they they understand there's no reason to fight with people like that. Right. I mean, but, um, but that's not most people, though, right? That's people no, who are moving and shaking. I mean, most people kind of are in autopilot and they're kind of asleep. Right. I mean, it's sad that so much of the information I'm putting out there, we were taught uh, growing up or, or, you know, people generations before us. And now it's really rare that anybody has manners when you hold the door open for somebody and they say thank you. And it, it almost never happens anymore. It's appalling. Um, but just going that extra mile to show somebody that you're a decent human being can be the very thing that gives an opportunity to you versus somebody else. Well, you know, it's it's funny, a little anecdotal from my end of things. I grew up a lot, around a lot of people from the World War II generation. And I had manners and ethics drilled into me at a young age. And I've tried to relay that to people in my generation. And you'd be funny, the, the excuses that are said, like, oh, well, that was a generation of, of wife abusing alcoholics. And I'm like, where's this coming from? It's like people have this, this defense mechanism of... No, they, they, that wasn't a better kind of upbringing than we have currently. Screw you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people, I think people have a natural tendency to be self, self-defensive of, I don't know how to put this. I consider this a very selfish generation, but... In your book, you point out how selfishness can actually be a positive attribute if applied correctly. Yes, most definitely. I mean, if you want to get ahead in life, the most selfish thing in the world you can do is be a decent human being to others because that ripple effect is normally, uh, I won't say all the time, going to come back for you uh, because of the good networking and reputation that you've built for yourself. So to be selfish is to do the right thing. And, you know, the more you acquire, the more you get for yourself, the more that's going to motivate you to keep working harder for the things you want because you see that, you know, I kind of liken it to when you're in an airplane and they say the pressure cabin, the windows are out, whatever. And they say even before you put that air mask on your child, you put it on yourself first because you can't help anybody else without first saving your own life. And I know that's a bit of an extreme analogy, but it's still, you know, the same point. If you don't keep yourself healthy, you can't keep a job, and therefore you can't keep food and a roof over your kid's, you know, head. Well, I think at the same time, when you broach that whole idea of, hey, put on the air mask first before you start helping other people, you, you of course, hit very strongly the idea of personal responsibility in the book. But I think you made very good clarifiers of understanding the difference between taking responsibility for yourself and the the people around you, the things you are not responsible for. True. I mean, if you try to take on responsibility for things that aren't your problems, uh, that's just going to frustrate you more. It's going to make you angry at the people that are coming to you for the help in the first place, unless it's your job to be a, a problem solver. You say you're a psychoanalyst or, or whatnot, a counselor. Um, but I, I think the important thing is you have to know when to say no to other people because it's a hard, hard enough job fixing yourself. It's a full-time job just to fix you. 
you can't fix everybody else around you and fix all their problems and make them better if they're too lazy to do it for themselves. You can give them the tools. You can tell them, hey, read this book or watch this video uh, or, you know, give advice. But half the time, advice isn't even wanted. It's considered interference, and they're going to be angry with you for butting into their lives. And how dare you think that you know how to run their life better? So oh, yeah. Ab- yeah. Build resentment. Yeah, absolutely. Like advice is probably, in most cases, a no-no unless people ask you. And even then, they, half the time, they don't want it because – but also, we have to admit, when people give advice, oftentimes, it, it does come off as a little condescending when people don't ask. You know, um, that it, it, it comes from a position that's kind of like, I know better than you, so there it is, even if they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's them filling their kind of fulfilling the bad side of ego. It's like it's not necessarily being nice to a person either. Right. Right. There's that whole condescending vibe. If I'm going to critique you, even though you didn't come to me for it. Right. And, and from my personal opinion, on a selfish level, that just wastes your time and makes you look like an arrogant ass to other people. You know, I make a living off of writing and lecturing people, but that's because I'm asked. They buy my books or they ask me to come speak in an event on a particular topic. Uh, that's not the same thing as sticking your nose in where it's not wanted. So on the flip side of sticking your nose in where it's not wanted, what do you, what do you guys think about assholes? People that come asking all the advice but don't um, follow any of it. I do consulting work at $150 an hour. <laughs> yeah, if they're going to annoy you, uh, you know, repeatedly find a way to distance yourself from them. Because as Andre points out, if you're charging for the service of, you know, I have knowledge that you seem to want, either they're going to fork over the money and pay you for the service or they're going to back off and go pester somebody else. And realistically, almost... There's, I think there's a lot of value for having mentors, and I, I might even go further than, and, than, than, than what Corvus did in his book. But realistically, the truth is, I think, one of the, the points, and, and I think you, you can affirm this, Corvus, that the book is making by presenting all these people. He went out and got these quotes. Anyone could go out and research these people. Anyone could get the information that is in the book, but they don't. Right. Like they could do it, but uh, they haven't. And it's not like there's not numerous, infinite amount of information, videos, YouTube, everything you could possibly want between free online classes uh, on uh, course, on various course platforms to YouTube videos to other things. Um, and But people don't necessarily take that step. And they don't necessarily, people who are, as you say, assholes, um, they don't really want to change. They just want to keep asking questions as a, a stalling tactic. Right. Uh, I think that they don't really want to know how to make their life better. They just want to be nosy and waste time. I mean, if you if you can't find a mentor, and I talk about this too, Um, there's no excuse in saying, well, I don't know a millionaire that I can ask questions. Just because I was lucky enough to meet a couple of them in my research and now they're friends, uh, I didn't have that beforehand. But, you know, just like learning, you don't have to use the excuse of I can't afford college. 
when we have things out there called libraries, we have YouTube, we have articles that you can look up on, you know, Forbes.com or, or, you know, something like that. The information is out there at your fingertips. You just have to be smart to navigate and find it. What I've done with my book is just condense everything possible I was able to find on all the different topics that were woven and linked together in a sensible uh, order, you know, and I expanded it by giving people practical steps, you know, do this first, then this, you know, that's one thing that people told me was a little missing in the first book, I put more into the second one, and especially I, I branched that out even deeper, now I'm starting to offer it as an online course, where, yeah, you, you can pay me $400 over um, a period of uh, six to eight months to, to learn everything that's in the book, extra articles, my resources that I took it from. Uh, I provide more articles from, you know, psychoanalysts, uh, financial experts. I have YouTube videos that I've copied and thrown into the course that I felt were highly relevant and go into even more detail on particular subsets of the chapters and then i offer you know life coaching for a year they get two skype calls from me you know to go in depth and something like that from uh, somebody like tony robbins or uh tony weeder or christopher weeder or you know just name anybody like that uh less uh uh brown uh, other motivational speakers they'll charge four or five thousand dollars to be a life coach whereas I'm like, take the course, learn everything you can from me, and then I'll be your life coach for the rest of the year too. On top of that, you know, very, very nice. Every everybody wants the information, or they don't, you know. And people like us, all we do is try to put it on in one nutshell, easy access, uh, easy digestible format. So. Why don't you give an example to the audience of what you consider a practical mental exercise for, for getting yourself in the right frame of mind? Well, uh, one of the things I preach a lot about is uh, called reverse engineering. Um, say you want to be a doctor or a lawyer and you dream of having their big mansion and you know fancy pool parties. It's not enough just to look at their life and say, I want that. You have to kind of pick their part, uh, pick apart their life in reverse and see the steps that took them to get where they are because everybody starts off at least to some degree at the bottom you know maybe they started out a little bit easier rung up or two more than you because of family influence or whatnot but whoever started it before them somebody started at ground zero and I don't care who it was um, and once you can start visualizing the necessary goals and steps in order of what you need to do. That's your roadmap right there. You, you can take that analogy when it comes to acting, to starting a business. I mean, there's plenty of examples out there of how someone became uh, a millionaire. Uh, you know, read read Steve Jobs' life. Uh, you know, look up uh, Oprah Winfrey's story. You know, find people that are similar to what you want to do with your life and find out how they did it. I mean, the steps are there. The information's there. Uh, that's why I talk about mentors so much in biographies and, and you know YouTube videos of reading and hearing the life stories of people. Uh, visualizing the concept of your goals is probably one of the key ingredients once you move past the, the basics of figuring out what you want with your life and what you're screwing up right now is what are the next steps? How do you go to that next level from 
beyond, oh, I, I was a screw-up, and now I'm going to do things differently. You have to put it into practical application, uh, and that's what the book tries to do is, you know, teach you the basics of job interview skills and what to wear, how to talk to people. Because once you've made the right connections, uh, I've always said that uh, you get ahead by two ways equally important. It's who you know, and first of all, what did you do to impress them to get them to like you in the first place? Because you can know all the people in the world, but if they don't like you, if they don't like how you are and how you conduct yourself, they have no reason to help you. You know, there's another another part of that phrase that we can't say on air. I'm just kidding, Corvus. Another part of the phrase of who you know. Ah, yes. (laughs) 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 You have to have something of value for them to want to help you. You know, because like attracts like, and why should they be your friend if you have nothing to offer in reverse? Uh, why should they help give you that next uh, uh, hookup, that next step up the ladder, if you're not going to do anything for them? Yeah, and I think, all joking aside, uh, just to, to try to lose, you know, make a joke. I mean, I think too many people. Um, I, I mean, I think you you found it too. I mean, you know, it, it's a point where you're teaching classes and stuff. You can be nice, but then what is the extra step? You know, when you're trying to to learn about or interface with a teacher or mentor, what are you offering them? And there's a lot of different things. You know, I was fortunate enough to have classes where I met millionaires and a a couple billionaires. And yeah, what are you offering them? You know, it's not necessarily, and and that's a question you can kind of even ask people who are in, in the gatekeepers. You know, what are you offering them? Why should they care? Uh, and I know that sounds really selfish when you're talking about it, but it's it's kind of enlightened selfishness there. Right. I mean, it, I talk a little bit more in, in the follow-up book, um, in, in the rewrite, uh, about paying it forward, that a lot of the really wealthy people like Bill Gates and Gene Simmons, and you know, uh, they'll pay millions of dollars to foundations of education or feed the hungry. Uh, Robbins donates, you know, millions of dollars. He wants to feed a billion people in the world because he grew up poor. He didn't know where his next meal was coming from when he was a teenager, just like Simmons. And, you know, we think it's incredible right now that these people are household names and, and they're worth, you know, half a billion dollars each. But they didn't forget where they came from. And I think that's important that as people like you and I climb higher and higher and get where we want to go, you can't have the reputation of just being a jerk and it's all in it for you, even though that's what motivated you and got you there in the first place. If you don't pay it forward and help other people along the way, then people aren't going to look at you as kindly and want to keep you um, at the level that you're accustomed to living at this point. I think that I've gotten a lot out of my life and my career in the last year or two simply because I'm offering to teach people the things that I've learned and paying it forward just by education. And then that encourages them to buy more of my books and talk to me and book me at other places because I'm putting my money where my mouth is. So I'm going to throw in something that just, just my cynical, skeptical nature sometimes. <clears throat> when the really wealthy billionaires give away millions to charity... I just get skeptical sometimes that it's all about branding and the fact that giving away money 
brands you and helps you make more money. Well, that's does. just my and personal take. Of- and and that, that, that's also a smart move when it comes to taxes because that's less income for you to be taxed on. That's true. I mean, who, who says there's anything wrong in being selfish and not wanting to be taxed by the government? Nobody wants that because that's how you stay poor. I think you have to also look at it a little differently, Jason, too, because having met some of those people, the donations they make to charity is like if I would donate 50 bucks to charity. It's right. Right. I mean, the level is even if you're talking like 100,000 or or 200,000, it's it's a ridiculous amount compared to what their worth is. It's like 50 bucks for me, which I have done. You know, if it's a cause that I want to see, I've donated to ACLU. So right there, that tells you stuff, you know, uh, right? Well, that, I, think, that, I think my, my skepticism came from if you or I give away 50 bucks, it's definitely with a heartfelt belief. But you'd be surprised if you actually talk, although there is a branding aspect to this, you'd be surprised when you actually talk to some of the billionaires and millionaires, they're still donating to causes they actually, they personally believe in and that it might further their marketing, but they, they are picking things that they, there's a reason for what they're choosing. They're speaking right. with their money. Yeah, there, there's a million different things that I could contribute to, but there's a paranormal convention that wants me to come uh, and I actually help them find other vendors and other speakers through my connections um, because the guy wants to donate the proceeds of his event to MS. Well, I happen to have a friend who suffers from MS. Ah. And, you know, this is my way of trying to help them because I understand the condition more than I would have otherwise. So now the event will have five other speakers that are known all over the world. So they'll have more attendees. So the ticket sales get driven higher. And so it helps the cost more all because I made a few phone calls and I knew the right location for this guy to set up his event at. Let's let's throw a plug out for that event. Where's that going to be located and when? <clears throat> well, um, look up Goose Gooseby uh, on Facebook. It's the MS uh, fundraiser that he's doing. I believe it's uh, towards the end of August. Uh, it's the MS uh, Goose uh, project. I don't have a URL for it, but I can share it on your wall when I find it. Yeah, most definitely. Do, do you have a lo- location? Where's the event going to be held? Um, I believe it is in Ohio, uh, Prospect Place. Ah, yes, Trenton, Trenton, I believe, Ohio. That's it's about an hour away from me. Right. Um, you know, so of course I go to the same old places: uh, Convocation, House Kepru Gather, Dragon Con. You know, a lot of these places simply because I know certain. Uh, members of my fan base will be there every year and I know they want to see me, they want to buy my latest works uh, but I'm also trying to find ways of branching out into other new things uh, like the MS cause uh, and trying to find other uh, events to go to because I want to see more people, I want to have my message uh, reach out and help new people because you know you, only, you saturate the market for only a certain area uh, of the country it's great to have that kind of loyal following but you know when you do something that's powerful and can help a lot of people, I, I just want to try to see where else I can take this. So, 
Speaking of that, we're coming up on the, the ending minutes of the hour. And it's been a great conversation, as always. I want you, I want to give you opportunity in the final few minutes to talk about what you're up to and where you're going to be appearing and anything you want to push. Okay. Well, later this month, uh, around the 26th, I believe it is, I'll be in Indianapolis at the Magic Candle uh, talking on the topic of Lilith. And on the 2nd, she has me coming back down speaking on Satanism. Um, if you go to CorvusNocturnum.com and look under appearances, I'm always trying to upgrade uh, my next appearances uh, after this. I know I've, I've gotten a little bit behind because I fell ill right after convocation. Uh, so there's a lot of other uh, venues that I'm going to be putting in there. Um, but I'll be speaking, I'll, I'll be speaking in uh, Michigan quite a bit this year. Uh, Lansing Pride Day, Michigan Pagan Fest has me come uh, give a, a talk there with uh, another presenter. Um, but yeah, uh, head over to CorvusNocturnum.com and click the tab Appearances. Uh, that'll be updated later this week. Um, I'll be speaking at Chrysalis Moon at the Renora Lodge and Retreat Center in July. Uh, I'm speaking for the first time at uh, Pan Pagan Festival in August. And in September, I'll be returning to Dragon Con. Um, surprisingly, for the first time in many years, uh, most of my October is wide open if people want to book me for anything. So uh, contact me through Facebook uh, if you'd like to have me come speak at one of your stores or at a convention. Wow, I'm I'm shocked that your October could possibly be open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, the last just, couple of years they were booked, you know, a year in advance every weekend, and now it's like it's wide open. I don't get it. Right, the the paranormal topics that you like to cover, the occult topics you like to cover, the fact that um, let's let's talk briefly about the fact that you're working on a paranormal travel show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paranormal Road Trip, uh, it just got pitched to A&E, and we'll see what they think of it. Well, most excellent. Andrea, anything to add? No, it's always great to see you. And uh, when you come down to Cleveland for house, the House Capital uh, gathering, let's, let's, uh, let's get some uh, dinner. Okay, sounds good. See, that was a subtle plug for House Capital Gathering and inviting him for dinner. <laughs> Double the price, see, right there. Everyone have a great week. Uh, I'm going to off-air talk to Jason. I've got an idea. We are booking guests for April, and we have a couple interesting things because to go along with this topic that we covered today, uh, I've been expanding uh, the network for Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. We have a couple... Um, a, a couple CEOs that are willing to come actually talk on the show. Uh, and we're in negotiation right now, as well as a medical doctor who has a really interesting story. So there'll be some next week really interesting topics coming up real soon. Now, we're trying to get a little bit ahead on the bookings, but we always have trouble with that. But if you know some people who would like to come on the show, uh, drop me and or Jason a line, and we'll be happy to do that. Uh, we are always looking for people to help us with some of the technology and maybe redoing the deep uh, deeper down the rabbit hole website so we can get a responsive site. That would take me forever. But if you're interested... 
uh, come talk to us, and I hope to see everyone up at uh, Jim's store uh, in two weeks and my, all my fans in Michigan. And uh, if you're in Cleveland, I hope to see you this weekend because it'll be a blast when we create little servitors for us uh, and, and have a blast with that. And I want to thank everyone for... <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> You're laughing. Um, the other thing is, uh, there may be a semi-secret Massive Chaos Baphomet. <coughs> and and you're hearing it here first on March 31st at 9 o'clock. And it will be open to the public. So it's semi-secret and open to the public. How does that work? Oh, I'll get you more... For anybody out there who's interested for the rest of this entire month, if anybody wants to get a hold of me directly on Facebook and order a copy of Unlocking the Secrets book that we discussed, uh, for $25, I will not only autograph it, but I will give you a free copy when it's released of the next book called The Sixth Millionaire, which saves you another 20 bucks. All right, right there it is. We got Corvus to give a special deal. You only eat from deeper down the rabbit hole, because that's how we roll. Thank you, Corvus. You're welcome. And who wouldn't want to be the next millionaire? Wow, I bet there's some poverty demons out there clutching their heart <laughs> right now and saying, no, I don't want to be a millionaire. Well, I'm not one yet myself, but I figure if I've gone from zero to a quarter million dollar neighborhood in uh, 20 years, like I said, I think in the next 10 years of re rinse, repeat the success, but in shortcut steps, I'm going to get there. So I'm just sharing what I learn as I go. There you go. And, and that's all we can do. So, again, I want to thank the Illuminist who, if you're out there, touch base with us, man. Uh, thanks for the show music because we, we haven't heard from you in a little while. And uh, I hope you're still listening. And with that, I'll take us on out. Thanks again to the Illuminist for the show music. <laughs>